Welcome back to The Melancholy Condition. I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to Season 3. Enjoy. Here's an ad. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm. Awesome. So we'll go five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome back to season three of the Melancholy Condition. I am here with Neil First. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Yep, just like the number one, man. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I so, Actually, I can pronounce it however I want. So Right? Yeah, it's it's, it's just the noise with your mouth. <laughs> That's right. Perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, Neil. Well, my name is Neil First. Um, uh, what I do is... Um, I have a, I have a, an addiction background, uh, alcohol, um, addiction, um, a, a background in, in abuse. Um, and these, these are all, you know, the life experiences and stuff like that. Um, and what, what, what happened in my life is, um, I ended up becoming an alcoholic myself and it, when it wasn't just alcohol, it was, it was a lot of different, uh, a lot of different addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, in 2016, I had, I had kind of relapsed and this is kind of where all this, this starts. I, I relapsed and I had like a horrible, horrible summer. I was, I was, how long I were to, you sober before, before that I was sober for about three years. Okay. Um, I, I, but I was sober because I had Xanax. I had, mm. I had Prozac, I had Lexapro, I had Celexa, I had all these things that we kept trying, mm-hmm. right? And <clears throat> I'm like, well, you know, during that, I'm like, if they're trying to treat anxiety, you know, for, for the alcoholism, something clicked there, but not quite yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they're trying to treat alcoholism by trying to treat it, the anxiety, something's, you know, there's something making me drink. And I, and I knew that and I didn't, you know, I was, I was never fully on board with the, uh, with the pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. uh, during those three years, but the Xanax was awesome, dude. It works. <laughs> it worked. I, I, and, and there's, yeah. and that's how, that's how we get addicted to it because uh-huh. it hits the same receptors as alcohol. And I didn't know that taking it. So mm-hmm. I would get my prescription. I'd find bars, right. I, I'd find, you know, people at work and stuff like that, 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 you know, I'd get it illegally too. So mm-hmm. whatever my prescription was and that, and then, you know, in, in 2016, I was drinking very, very heavily. I think at my worst, I was drinking like 25 or 30 airplane bottles of vodka. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah, goodness. That was, vodka out of all. Yeah. Well, so, and, and here's, and, and you want to hear how the alcoholic brain works. I'm like, well, 
I've heard before that people can't smell vodka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, and I, and I sit there and I drink and I, I take these, you know, the little airplane bottles so I can, I can keep hiding them. Mm-hmm. Right. I could just, I can, I can drive with them. Right. This is, and this is, this, I'm not recommending this at all, but this is, <laughs> this is how, how that, how the, the mental state ends up working. Right. The only, so I, I realize that the only thing I'm, I'm protecting is my alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Right. But let me let me get back to, to 2016, because this actually uh, this actually, this it all it all goes together. Um, so in 16, I was I went to detox at least five, six, maybe seven times, uh-huh. something like that. And I had, um, you know, by by October of 2016, I was having seizures from the withdrawals. I had DTs multiple times. I was trying everything to like get rid of this alcoholism, like to get rid of that, that thing that made me want to drink. I went yeah. so far as to snort heroin. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Cause I wanted it's cause I wanted that, that feeling that I wanted that I needed to drink to end. Yeah. I wanted that feeling to end. And there was, there was nothing I would do to, 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 or nothing I wouldn't do to, to stop that feeling. Mm-hmm. And you're not the smartest when you're drinking that much alcohol. <laughs> so a, a decision like, like starting heroin may, seems like a good idea. So long story short, um, in October of 2016, I started sending some texts uh, to friends uh, saying, send clowns to my funeral, uh, stupid shit like that. Just, I, just I, didn't, I didn't feel like I wanted to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I didn't want to be there, I'm like, man, I can't do this to myself. I just, I was in so much pain and I just really felt like I was, I was sitting in my apartment just waiting to die. Yeah. So I started, I sent out all these nasty texts and nasty to myself, not to, not blaming anybody, but I was just ready at that point. Yeah. Sent the cops to my house. Cops said, you got to come with us. I'm like, well, what if I refuse? The guy's like, you don't want to do that, man. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I looked at him. I'm like, all right, let's go. So I'm in the hospital a couple days. I have some seizures and stuff. Um, they, they send me to, um, they send me to about four, four or five days of just the, the psych ward, just to kind of evaluate. I had been to that same hospital multiple times that summer. So they're like, dude, you're not, you're not getting out of here after three days again. You're yeah. not doing it. So they, they kept me in there for another four or five days. And it was, you know, I just, I just did it. It was, it was an experience. I'm like, I know I can't do this again. Um, I didn't feel like I had another uh, recovery or a hospital visit in me. You know, when I, when I left, um, they told me, the doctor said, here, listen, you're, you, one more drink could do it. Mm-hmm. Could end it all for you. Your internal organs are really that bad. Even if you don't drink, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, I did it, didn't I? So I have a quick question. Yeah. Was this like before, whenever you got administered, were, have, how much, like, have you had still been drinking that day? So they were trying to get you to cut off cold turkey? So that day, um, I was running out of money. Uh-huh. And I was, uh, I went and got some, some wine coolers. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there was some kind of cheap sale or whatever. So but what I was what I was doing was I was trying to 
taper off so I didn't so I didn't die with during the withdrawal. So I was trying mm-hmm. to yeah. drink just enough to keep me alive and go through the withdrawals and say I did I, I had no clue what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Obviously. But I mean honestly that is still a like even though you didn't know how much was tapering down if that's what kind of happened and you kind of were just still drinking um that's still advised if you were to stop drinking alcohol like if you have a serious alcohol problem um you shouldn't you shouldn't just cut cold turkey that's the only reason why i had asked yeah so and that's so if i was going to cut cold turkey it's it would have been because i was forced to it would have been because i ran out of money yeah Right. Um, Because at this point I wasn't working. I was, uh, you know, I'd been in the the car business for 20 years and have had a successful career and stuff like that. And um, but at this point, I was just I was just so down on life and just so into that bottle, just thinking that that's going to solve my problem. Mm -hmm. I just I that was that was it. So I get out of the hospital. I got no job. I got no nothing. I have no prospects for anything. And, um, you know, in a couple months later, I ended up getting a, I don't know, well, the apartment that I lived in was a, a friend of mine owned it, mm-hmm. right? So he, he let me stay there. He knew kind of like what I was, what I was doing, um, you know, kind of the situation. Um, yeah. So, you know, he helped me out there. Another friend got me a job and I ended up working like 15 hour days, six days a week for five months straight. Oh, geez. Just to keep myself as busy as I possibly could. Yeah. And it was for shit money, um, especially for those hours and for what I was doing. I didn't feel healthy. I was eating packages of cookies uh, before bed. I'd stop at the grocery store, pick up like two packages of cookies, and then eat them in bed before I went to sleep. It was great. I've I've been there before, though. I've been there before just because when I, um, a little, not to get too off track, but uh, in one of my, early first moves mm-hmm. when I moved from my hometown to California, I went and did some acting, um, some stuff fell out. I was ended up being homeless because the dude that had, I had plans to live with like a, the friend of mine, he like painted this picture of what things were going to be when I moved out there. And when I moved out there, basically he said he had a house. And when I got there, there was a family in it. And I was like, hold on, <laughs> do you know these people? And he's like, well, I got power of attorney. This is my aunt and uncle, but they were like, not to, uh- be blatant but it was right outside of compton it was an african-american family and they didn't like me i'm pretty light complected so as soon as i walked in the house with them the uncle comes up and he's like what's this white boy doing in my house and i was like oh and so that like immediately off to a bad start i was 18 years old i just packed everything i owned into back of my four-door honda civic and uh, i only had like a pair of like 600 bucks on me so i ended up being homeless living on venice beach for a couple weeks and um, I found out that I had family in California, so I ended up moving out with them. Uh, and that was after like the third week of being in an extended stay of Motel 6. Wow. So whenever um, I ended up getting the first job that I got was a warehouse job. And I worked uh, 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. No, 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 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. with mandatory wow. overtime. Um, and then like, of course, whenever I'm coming home at 5am, all I want to do is get a little snack and go to bed. And I was doing the exact same thing, man, just a fucking little thing of Oreos and straight to bed. 
And that yeah. was very repetitive until I got terminated from there because I just, I was working with a temp agency and they had like these rules on how many times you can be late or something like that. And I still just wasn't used to California traffic. There was a accident yeah. on I five and I got cut there and I was like, all right, well, that was that. But anyways, yeah. uh, go on. You're definitely better off, right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's, me. that's the thing too, is that, is we could take that like, and, and I, this is part of, part of the, the whole recovery is we can, we take our stories and instead of, instead of you using that as a crutch and, oh my God, this happened to me, you use that as, as a springboard to be what you are now. If that didn't happen, you aren't you right now. Absolutely. You, know, Absolutely. you don't have that experience. And a lot of what I learned is that, um, you know, when, <clears throat> so, to to kind of get back to oh shit, where was I in the story? Job six or five months, right? Yeah, hours did, a day, did. six days a yep. week. Yep. All right, so I ended up quitting that job. That um, and I ended up getting a getting a different one after that. So um, I was making I was making a lot more money. Um, I was I was I was more happy internally. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I started to notice this and in 2017, just before, like around Thanksgiving, <clears throat> I was about to take a shower. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was uh, getting, you know, getting in my, getting undressed in my room. I was going to walk across the hall into the bathroom, across the hall. There's a full length mirror. That was a closet. Right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm about to take a shower. It's November, 2017. I walk past this full length mirror. I got nothing on. And I stop and I look. I'm 225 pounds. I'm 5'9", 5'10", whatever it is. I look like shit. I feel like shit. I, like, I, I just stop and I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, okay, dude, two things. One, you're really fat. And two, what is your penis? <laughs> right? And I'm looking yeah. and I'm sitting there and I'm like. <laughs> and I, I see and it I in just, the mirror, but I can't see it when I look down. Right. And, and I'm like, man. I, uh, what did you do, Neil? And I start talking, and I start talking to myself, man. I start, and I start talking, and we, and I start, you know, and I, what, what do we do here, man? I'm like, bro, you're fucking miserable, and I start crying, mm-hmm. and I start looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, man, you know, there's so much good inside, you. and I start, you know, just, just really being honest, mm-hmm. and really getting, yes. Yes, because that that thing that I created, that thing that was in the mirror, I know that wasn't me. Yeah. I know that that's, that's not my intention every day. I didn't wake up with the intention of, to fucking create that. Right? And I'm sitting there and I'm looking in this mirror and I'm just I'm standing there. I finally, I sit down. Right? And I'm just crying. I'm just crying. The shower's still going. It's about 45 mm. minutes later. I'm sitting there. I'm crying. And I'm sitting in front of the mirror. And it just the, the whole night goes like that. I end up taking a shower or whatever. I have, a, I have a great night's sleep. And I was like, you know what? Here. I am I'm, I'm making a decision. I don't, I'm not. I don't want. I'm not, I don't need to listen to this person or that person. Everybody's fucking advice. I'm shutting it all off. What is going to make me feel good? Mm-hmm. Right. So I was a year without drinking, but I still, I mean, I felt horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my organs were holding up because 
I was, you know, obviously I was alive. So yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? What's, what's going to, what's going to make you feel good? You know, the, the Snickers bar, the, the cookies or the apple. Right. So be honest with yourself. And I started getting honest with myself in, in, uh, in just about like every area of my life that I could see from, from that place that I was in mm-hmm. five months later, I'm down 75 pounds. I'm feeling great. And I want to know, like, I, you know, I, I got into ketosis. I did some, you know, I, I, I did exercise. I didn't kill myself in the gym. I didn't, but the, the most amazing thing was that I didn't want any alcohol, like at all. Like, yeah. Like it was like, like I could kind sit of in a, were you doing in the uh, gym? body weight stuff, body okay. weight stuff. So yeah. One of the first, actually, before I started this podcast, I'm pretty sure it was one of the first episodes that I did. Um, I did a little excerpt because uh, before I started having people on, I would just do like 20 minute excerpts by myself of just okay. things like, OK, this is a topic and I'm going to kind of touch up on it and give some scientific evidence behind it, why it works, things like that. And one of the first episodes, um, it was a lady on TED Talks that I cited. She was an aerobic instructor and um she was kind of talking about like a healthy lifestyle correlating with anxiety and depression. And one of the kind of first things that she touched up on was your brain's um, how it secretes the chemicals Mm -hmm. and you're in your body. Right. And whenever you're being active, I think if you have, if you're within like 70 to 80% of your max heart rate, for at least 45 minutes what happens is your your heart starts working really really fast right yes so because you're like i said you're nearing your peak max heart rate and what happens is is your blood starts pumping but to keep up with this process the way your what your body does is it starts creating new chemicals so instead of just recycling what's there and kind of slowly producing it immediately is just creating the new chemicals that your body needs because it's recognizing that it's going under duress. You know what I'm saying? So not only are you getting new white blood cells, you're getting new uh, chemicals in your brain that relate to like serotonin, dopamine, um, things like that, that require that your body is required. And after that exercise, you start feeling good. You know what I mean? Because you have this, basically it's almost like a new brain. It's a new body. Um, And so that's really good. That's probably one of the, reasons why you didn't want to drink because after however however long that little fitness um journey was of losing those 75 pounds you got into that habit like okay i'm gonna go release some endorphins for 45 minutes and that just little bit that little bit was enough to knock that for however long it lasted well yeah so there's and and that's the thing is that there's so many contributing factors in my in my book i talk a lot i talk a lot about epigenetics okay um, epigenetics is the understanding that our, our genes are a blueprint and they're mm-hmm. not our destiny. Okay. So you control that stuff. You control, like it, people think, well, I have a cancer gene. It takes 12 genes to activate. Like it takes the 12 genes to express themselves in that way for cancer to actually be a disease. Mm-hmm. Right. So epigenetics is, Basically, if you're doing something one way and you're getting a result, do it the opposite way and get the other result. <laughs> express express the, the gene differently. So mm. I dumbed it down for myself like that. So oh, okay, great, that's awesome. I can I can do that. And that's you know I was uh, um, I I grew up in Chicago. I'm a big fan of pasta. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, big of fan of, of just big tables, right? Uh, big, big family. You know, food is, is not just food. I was like, you know what? All right, fine. I got to cut that shit out, right? And just feed the machine. Take the love affair away from my food, mm-hmm. right? And just feed the machine. So I was just meat and vegetables. I'd eat standing at the counter because it just it wasn't, it wasn't it. But the thing I credited most was me learning how to meditate. Or not learning, just taking the initiative Starting. and doing mm-hmm. it. Because what I learned in meditation and what I, you know, what I what I began to to like undo was what I was what I had did I was mm-hmm. undoing the alcoholic yep yep see with that um sorry to interrupt you but yeah, uh, actually the last episode that I recorded yesterday the uh, like the last episode that I recorded um of yesterday you know what I'm saying so right. we uh we were actually talking about oh her name was Artisha Brookwell um i think she was i don't remember exactly the topic i've, I've talked too much <laughs> since yesterday but uh we had ended up talking about um because she was she's christian so she was talking about um you know speaking stuff over yourself how it says to do in the bible and i was telling her about a a study um you probably have heard of it the uh, dr Emoto. Uh, the Japanese study where they, they got the students to speak over the water and yes. how they spoke, the feelings kind of yes. portrayed once they froze the model, the molecules and yes. you could see them maybe jagged and things like that. So I was talking about that and we had brought up um, meditating and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, whenever the Buddhists are using their mala beads, uh, the 108 mantras every single day, um, that is the exact that's what it is. Those affirmations you're reprogramming the cells in your body. Correct. To you know what I mean to work yes. the right way. So whatever damage that you've done, whether it be through the alcoholism, you could literally teach your body through meditation how to uh, heal itself. And then another thing that I wanted to bring up to, um, since you have a book, and I'm sure that you probably read yourself, have you ever read the uh, Hacking Darwin by Jamie Metzl? Uh, I have not. It's that's that's not a bad book. I've gotten into it a little bit. It's just all about um, genetic engineering. Um, and that'd be something that I think that you could definitely benefit from since you touch on those, uh, genetic, uh, data maps. Right. No, that's cool. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I'll, I can um, send you a link to it later, but anyways, go yeah. ahead and go on and tell me about how, um, the meditation definitely helped with, uh, your recovery. <clears throat> so, and, and this is, so after, <clears throat> after the, the first book I wrote, I, I called it how I lost, uh, 50 pounds uh, beat alcoholism, changed my life for good using meditation in my mind. Okay. Um, after, after that, I started to learn what, what meditation was actually doing. And I started to find all of this, all of this data and all of these studies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, uh, people out there doing, you know, meditation, um, and, you know, doing heart and brain scans, um, and showing what kind of states that we can get in. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> to add a little side note on that, when I was 16, before mm-hmm. I first, like, I had always been very heavily attracted to Eastern uh, Chinese medicine. Um, yeah. And it's just something that I've always been obsessed with. I got into meditating when I was real young. Um, when I was like 14, 15, I read a lot of human behavior books. Oh, cool. um, 
and so by the time I was 16 is when I first started getting into like the actual practices of meditation and what it is, where it comes from, what the reason for it is. And one of the first studies that like hooked me right away was um, it was from a monk that did exactly that. They, he went and did some meditations and got like the brain and heart scans and he dropped his heart rate to what of a, like a hibernating bear. Just yeah. almost immediately. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And it blew my mind. So I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's and that's kind of like the same thing. I wanted to know why why what I did worked. So mm-hmm. in June of 18, I went to the doctor and I got blood tests. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I feel too fucking good for this to for my insides to for my organs to be like what the doctor said. I said, I want to, I want to go, I want to go to the doctor and, and get, you know, all my stuff tested. So yeah. I did that. I told the doctor my story. Okay. I, the, this wasn't my doctor. I don't actually have a doctor, but um, <clears throat> I told the guy my story and he's like, yeah, he goes, all right. So, so I'm going to be very interested to see your results and stuff like that. And he's, you know, just like filling me with all of this fear. He's like, yeah, you, he goes, you, you know, your heart like rate. Doubt? Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's like, yeah, your blood pressure's kind of high. Well, I was nervous. I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a lot of, a lot of things that we, you know, doctors think your blood pressure's hot. No, you're just, you're at the doctor. Yeah. Some dude you don't know might stick his finger up your ass. You might be nervous and it's okay. Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your blood pressure's out of whack. Yeah. So <clears throat> the results come back. The guy, the, the, he calls me up. He goes, he goes, your results are here. He's like, you know, when you, when you come check them out, I say, yeah, he goes, they're good. He goes, but I want to talk to you. So he asked me, he goes, he goes, the, the, the story that you told me, is that true? You know, cause I told mm. him the story about the alcoholism and the 20, you know, with the 25 bottles or, or the airplane bottles of vodka a day and stuff like that. He goes, is that true? I said, yeah. And I had told him what I had done to, 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 you know, kind of do that. He goes, he goes, this is the, like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. He goes, I just mm-hmm. want to co- co- want you to come in so I can congratulate you. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, wow. I was like, that, that's, that's good. I, that, that's actually one of my favorite things is, you know, if going to the doctor and sharing like a piece and, and maybe it be the results in medical tests, but sharing that and seeing like something that is, would be a miracle to, someone that is devoted their life to medical practices you know what i'm saying even if they're just a practitioner seeing those reactions and seeing like oh wow like you know i didn't think that this is what we were going to have that always blows my mind yeah and and here i've been around a lot of doctors that that became doctors for a house and a car you know what i'm saying i've been around a lot of doctors that 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 didn't care um that that story that I just told you that's a that's a special story to me because I don't see doctors in that light. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a special doctor to me. Good, um, good. A, but um, good so, And what what I what I learned. Um, so I wanted to know exactly why what I did worked. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm like, okay, um, dude, I just lost seventy five pounds. I've been trying for twenty years. I'm forty two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been trying for 20 years to lose all this weight. And then you kind of get back up and down, up and down. Um, you know, why did that work? Why did, how, did I really heal myself? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's another thing where, where I'm, I'm looking at these results and I'm just crying. I'm just crying. Cause I'm like, I'm just asking myself, Oh my God, all, all these questions. Mm-hmm. And I started asking myself the right questions. And I started learning about that. 
Um, and I started learning why, why it's so hard for people to meditate and why, and how, how similar an addiction to opening the fridge and an addiction to going to the bar really are. Yeah. Um, house and, and the, the root, why did this work for me? And I realized that I went, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't focus on alcoholism. I didn't focus on alcohol. Um, AA was not, was not for me. I, you know, I was like, it just, the, the chapter or whatever that I went to, it, um, it was overwhelming and it was overbearing. So it was not for me. But I wanted to know why all of this stuff worked. And when I, oh shit, where the hell was I? <laughs> After going to the doctor and seeing yeah, the so, medical test. Right. So um, I started learning, um, you know, like, like why I wanted, to, I wanted to teach this to other people. I wanted mm-hmm. to, to learn enough to teach it to other people. Okay. So I started learning why all this stuff works. And how I can, how I can make like meditating easier and how I could explain the bullshit machine, how I could explain the ego, how I could explain all those things that are going on inside of us. So it doesn't need to be a a doctor visit with a prescription. Yeah. Right. Because we're taking these prescriptions. I mean, all you have to do, I don't, I don't watch the news, but I would assume all you have to do is watch the news for a, a couple minutes and you're going to find some kind of pharmaceutical something or other opioid yeah, crisis, absolutely. some type of crisis somewhere. Okay. So <clears throat> what I learned and what I continue to learn and what I continue to practice is the, the reason I became an alcoholic is because I thought I had to, I thought that was like, I believe that, that, it was my genes. I believe, well, it's in the family. My sisters didn't become alcoholics. I was going to, and I just needed, I just needed something outside of me to solve this alcohol problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So I looked to, to modern medicine. I looked to psychology and I looked to, to all of this. What I learned when I, when I started my quest to actually learn why all this stuff worked is that when I'm meditating, I'm putting my, my focus on my autonomic nervous system. And this is how, how just meditation works. Okay. They mm-hmm. actually explain this in, in uh, like uh, in, in uh, Buddhist religion, um, you know, teachings of Jesus kind of, they explain this and stuff. Um, but what you're doing is you're putting your focus on you. When you're put, when you put your focus in your body, you steal consciousness from your brain, your mind, that thing that that's saying, well, you got to get up and you got to go do this. Yeah. Right. You sit there and what's the first thing it says? Well, you get up and, and go send that text. And you're like, no, <laughs> I, I have to sit here. Well, that was minute three. Yeah. Right? And then minute six, it says, well, you got to send that text and it makes it more important or you'll get fired. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's Sunday. Right. And then yeah. it's whatever. And then you start having this conversation <laughs> with yourself. And then it doesn't become meditating. It becomes an argument. Contemplating. Right. And it's, it's trying to figure it out. So the figure outer wants to figure out whatever it thinks is wrong with you. It thinks mm-hmm. is wrong with you that it created. I'm talking about the, the, the ego. I, yeah, it's, of course. So and the way I the, I call it the bullshit machine. 
because it's because it lies to you. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example. Like when I, I quit smoking cigarettes, I realized that here, my, my programming said, you know what, right now would be a perfect time to have a cigarette. And my addiction, the bullshit machine said, yeah, you know what, you're right. And I just followed it and did it. Right. Never, never even thinking what the hell is telling me that I need a cigarette mm -hmm. right now. So as I get into meditation, and I get into my body, right, rather than rather than trying to think everything away, I put my awareness on my heart. Right. That's why we put our awareness on our breath. That's mm -hmm. why we put our awareness on the, the, the energy centers. OK. Um, and what what happens is that. You get a sensation in your body and it triggers a thought, right? And then that, that thought coincides with that sensation. So you think, and then you feel it, mm -hmm. right? You feel it, then you think it, feel it, think it, feel it, think it. And it's the cycle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So what that, what that is, is that's the ego making itself more important, right? So mm -hmm. now, instead of telling you to send a text, Right. 20 minutes later, it's saying, hey, listen, your kids are going to fucking hate you forever and your wife's going to leave you and all this stuff. And you're like, Jesus Christ, I'm just sitting there in meditation. It's, yeah. And it's and it's using our input. Against it uses your input against you, your input is your environment, whether it's your Facebook, whether it's your coach, whether it's your parents, whether it's your boss, whether it's all of it, it's all of it combined. And it has a lot to choose from. So when to you kind think of, of, go ahead. To kind of break that down a little bit, so kind of people understand um, a little bit of what's going on. Yeah. Whenever, so for instance, with smoking, with drinking, with social media, the reason why a lot of us people get addicted to it is because these type of interactions, whether it be on social media, because social media does the same thing. It's a gratification machine. Same thing with you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking. Your brain gets you released dopamine whenever right. you're smoking nicotine or a tobacco. It's that's what it's meant to do. Same thing with drinking. It's it's a it's a sensation of um, like a like a happy feeling. You know what I mean? You get happy mm -hmm. when you're drinking this. You get happy whenever you're smoking. You get happy whenever you're on social media and people are reacting to your uh, whatever it is that you're doing on social media, and it becomes addicting. So what happens is in your brain, your brain says, hey, I need some gratification real quick. So I'm going to tell you that I, this is the thing that I want because I know that these out of these three things, I know that they give me the gratification that I need. So I'm going to make you do it real quick. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's just, and that, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just touching up on that just to kind of give it a little bit more in depth of yeah, what please, these, what these urges are and where they come from. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's, and that, and that's the thing is that it like <clears throat> you, you believe that, that you should be somewhere that you're not mm -hmm. right. If you're, if you're sitting in meditation, right. Or if you could just be sitting in the living room on the couch, whatever, as soon as you get up to go do something, you're distracting yourself from a thought or from a sensation in your body. It's, it's, it's following that distraction. It's identifying with that thought instead of, instead of letting that thought go like, okay, so I got to go send a text. Mm -hmm. Instead of letting it go, we grab onto it. Like, you know what? Oh, shit, I'm right. Let me, let me go send that text. Okay, now I feel good. 
right? And then you're back, and it's like, well, did you say the right thing? And it starts. Yep. It starts. Uh, the thing that the thing that that a lot of people don't realize is that's the practice of meditation. It's just bringing forth your awareness, right? So so you get you get frustrated at the thing, but it's the thing that you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you're you're not exactly trying to quiet the bullshit machine because it's it's always it's always running. It's always there. Um, I don't know, unless you're enlightened, maybe like Eckhart Tolle, maybe his is, is a little <laughs> bit quieter, but yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's always running. The key that I found is to steal the awareness from the mind, steal the awareness from your ego. And that, that would be putting that in your body. So when that awareness is in your body, your body can actually begin to heal. See, we think we're smart, right? We think, because that's the thinking machine. The brain it just it thinks it's going to figure everything out. It wants to argue with reality. Think about it like this. Think about how, how much you argue, with, how much we, we argue with reality. Um, think about people when, when we hold on to our traumas, okay? Um, I grew up in, 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 uh, in a, uh, child abuse. Okay. So I think that that shouldn't have happened. Right. Mm -hmm. But it did happen. That is arguing with reality at its best. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's so it's like, it's like, uh, if, if, uh, if I, if, if we, we end the podcast and I'm like, yo, I shouldn't have done that podcast. Why that, that would be me arguing with reality. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, you know, and that's, and that's what we're, we're allowed to do. That's, that's a good part of what we are. But when we identify with that part of us so much, that's when things kind of run amok. And then we want to pay attention to that that thing that says okay so this is i need this gratification i need this gratification i need this gratification mm-hmm. right because the gratification it distracts you from the anxiety and the longer you distract yourself from the anxiety the longer you resist it and the longer you resist it the more powerful it grows and the more powerful it grows now we're manifesting bowel issues we're manifesting heart issues we're manifesting all kinds of stuff um, and, and it turns into, it turns into disease and it turns into, um, dependency on, you know, Oh, is this new drug going to work? Is this thing going to work? Is that here's, here's what I, I learned about, um, when, uh, when they gave me Prozac. Okay. It takes six to eight weeks for Prozac to actually get into your system and start working or whatever, the, however they say it. Right. Mm-hmm. If, you actually start seeing results from taking it. Right. Yes. You can, if you took, let's just say those six to eight weeks and took a 10 minute cold shower in the morning and a 10 minute cold shower in the evening, it's going to do a thousand times for you what that pharmaceutical is going to do for you. Yeah. Because you're changing your physiology. You're changing the way you breathe. It's just like exercise. Okay. The, the next time you have the opportunity, jump in a cold shower. Okay. If, if, if anybody who works out, I'm, I'm, I just assume that everybody does cold showers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like know, to it, from time to time. I, I used to do it regularly, but it's I've fallen off the track. But because yeah. um, like, I used to do it for health purposes, um, I'd only take cold showers. It didn't matter what season it was. Like yeah. I would only like my senior year of high school, I took for probably that whole year, I only took uh, cold showers. Yeah, but that's, now that's every cool. now and then I'll do it. Yeah. And I learned that from Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. If you, I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, found him on online, but Wim Hof is, you know, is, is a guy that uh, <clears throat> what his whole thing is he, he, he talks and this is all scientifically backed and stuff like that is about getting rid of anxiety naturally with breathing exercises and, and like cold, cold water and ice baths and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can deal with this anxiety. It's just that we're so focused on how smart we are and how we're going to fix this through pharmaceuticals and, and we're going to spend all this money and, and here, I have clients that I've helped beat cancer. Mm-hmm. I've, I have clients that I help, I've helped beat, beat alcoholism. Um, you know, just uh, all of these, these, these anxiety-ridden um, things that, that tell us that, well, I'm not good enough to get this job. If, I'm, if, I, if I don't get into this certain college, then I'll never be good enough and this and that. We're, we're, we're like... We're a society of addicted people, but we're addicted to lying to ourselves. Like I think, if I don't go ahead. I think a lot of it comes down to certainty. A lot of, you know, we live in a very, um, a certain world, a certain uh, society where what everything that you do, you have to be certain of it. You have to know, okay, well, you're going to go to school for eight years, 10 years, and then you're going to get this paying job and you're going to start a family. You know what I mean? Right. And all this, this bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but that, the thing is, is it builds a society where we feel like we have to be certain. So with un, being uncertain within certain decisions of your life, you get that anxiety because you don't know the outcome of it, right? And so if you have already health problems, for instance, if you're getting ready to uh, move, right? You're getting ready to move and you need X amount of dollars, whatever, whatever. And you go to get your last physical before you have to go change your, uh, doctor or insurance, whatever the case is. Um, the doctor tells you, you have some kind of disease, right? Mm -hmm. And so immediately what happens is you get implemented with fear and doubt. Okay. Well now I have to spend all this money on hospital bills. This doctor's making me uncertain. So now I have to go get all these tests. And now I'm getting anxiety about my money because I have to spend it on all my medical bills on top of getting ready to leave. You know what I mean? Things like right. that. And I think that with the, the world telling us that we need to be certain about everything, it kind of puts us in those scenarios, right? So if you're not healthy and you don't have a healthy mindset, you're getting overdrived, overdriven by anxiety and mm-hmm. uncertainty, what happens internally, your bodily probably isn't working right right your cortisol levels are a little higher than normal and your body is excreting all these stress factors the chemicals right? that make you sick. yes yes exactly and then you as you become sick because this doctor thing just told you hey you have this we can still catch it you're stressing out about it it's creating that your immune system drops right now you're getting sicker right so and... i think a lot of that goes hand in hand you know what i mean teaching people to have a healthy mindset is the a good 80% of it. 
Well, if you there was I read something uh, last year, I think it was the World Health Organization said 90 or 95 percent of all doctor visits start with stress. Mm -hmm. Okay, and whether it's it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Okay, somebody might say, well, it's 81 percent or it it has it has no bearing on on what the reality of it is. Yeah. So if you take if you take stress out of most people's lives. Um, and, and you're not going to do that, but if we teach people how to, how to manage stress, how to, how to feel your body, we're, 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 we don't know what we are because we're looking for something else to fix us when we're not broken. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so when, if I, if, if I have anxiety or something like that, and I call my doctor, my doctor's going to put me on this on this prescription and this and that. And it's like, okay, so now we're working at it. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're trying to change my chemical. Your thought is a chemical. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you want to change your chemicals, you might want to start by changing your thought here. Anger, anger is one of the, the, the chemicals that, that makes you the sickest. Okay. If you look yeah. at, uh, if you look at cancer patients, you're going to see a lot of anger. Okay. Um, these neurological diseases, okay, that's worry, that's, that's constantly, your, your body's in constant worry about something that's not there. If you're sitting in a room and you're nervous for no reason, guess what? You're arguing with reality, right? Um, I, I had, what a, I, I just made a, uh, I actually just made a bullshit machine video. I, I was telling this story. I had kind of like a, like a panic attack the other day, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, I was, I was like meditating through it. I was sitting in front of the mirror and, and just doing, doing like a, like a visual meditation, just really connecting with myself, kind of looking, looking into my eyes and stuff like that. And so I, I get like, my heart starts going like a, like a mile a minute. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, and it, and it was, it was like a, like an old panic attack. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. So, and I looked at it and I'm just staring at myself while it's, while it's happening. I'm like, man, these things used to take me down and I'm just kind of marveling at it. And I, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm like being in it. I'm like, yeah, keep, yeah. Beating, you know, of keep course. those sensations. I'm, I, I love you. You're I got experiencing the, it. Yes. And I got to the point I'm looking in the mirror. I, I put my hands in front of my chest and prayer pose. And I said, you know what? My heart's beating really, really fast right now. I said, if this is it, man, then let's just do it. It's cool. I love you till death. And I just looked at my own face right? With my heart beating a mile a minute. I said, I love you till death. No matter what, whatever that, that anxiety is, right? That's the universe trying to remove what I'm not. Mm-hmm. That anxiety is only there because it's trying to leave. So what I've learned in that situation, and for the people who are listening, if any, you know, if you have that panic attack, love it right there. Okay. It took maybe 30 seconds to a minute for, for these sensations to transmute. Right. And when these sensations transmuted, I, you know, I had some tears in my eyes and I'm just looking. Yeah, I, I, I love you. And that that's that that's that inner that that little five year old inner Neil saying, hey, man, you know, we, we didn't get enough love here and get enough. You know what? I'm going to give it to him right now mm-hmm. every single time. And that's what I do in meditation is I, I, I love that that little inner child. And and that thing that tells me to get up and go do something great. Who's who's talking about that? You can you could keep talking. But I'm just gonna watch it drive by, like like on the highway, right? I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna go chasing cars. I'm not a dog. 
you know, I'm not the Joker. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> going to watch those and then be with those sensations. I and that's a but, very, that's a very important step in getting through any type of um, mental attack. Yes. Is experiencing the feelings. Um, be honest with yourself. Yeah, yes. you, yeah. You know what I mean. I think a lot of people tend to... because it's an uncomfortable feeling. But one of the things that actually has to happen before you resolve any conflict within yourself is you have to experience those emotions as they're happening. Not necessarily react to them, right? Because whenever you start reacting, that's whenever you get those whether it be a relapse, whether it be a text message that you shouldn't have sent, whether it be an argument that you started with one of your friends, you know what I mean? Those are all things that are just based off reactions of anxiety. But if you sit there in the midst of the storm and just let it happen and understand that these things happen, this is a Mm -hmm. part of being human. We have sometimes chemical misfires, but you don't have to react to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And here, the only, the only things that, that believe that life is a tragedy and on this, in this existence is humans, mm-hmm. right? As, as you were telling that story, 10 million of your cells were died and, and were reborn. We didn't have any funerals. We didn't, it's just the universe being itself. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. It's called life, right? You're not that person that you see in the mirror. You're far more than that. You're not the opinions. You're not your car. You're not anything. And I don't want to sound like fight club, but we're <laughs> not all of that. it's there's there's a there's an inside thing that is saying hey listen you've been piling a lot of bullshit on top of me okay and what's going to happen is you're going to cry it out and my probably my my biggest key to 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 mental health i mean forget about not forget about alcoholism but alcoholism is the easiest thing that i've ever beat the absolute easiest thing that I've ever beat because now I'm like, I have been through, I have, I have faced as many fears as, as that, that come up and I continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I can see through my own bullshit machine, <laughs> if I could see through my own stuff, right. Then alcohol doesn't have any power, cocaine, heroin, and whatever it is, doesn't have that power over me. Xanax doesn't have power mm-hmm. over me. Other people don't because I know my own bullshit. If you know your own shit, then, then you have your power. You hold your power. Absolutely. Who's nobody brags about snorting fucking heroin. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's one of those things that I can tell you because it gives me my power. Of course. Because it it helps me retain you. Right. Right. It's not who I are. It's it's not who I am. It's something that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. Right. We try stupid shit. The first thing you do is forgive yourself because it's okay. If it if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't. have, Right. So, yeah, we 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 make a lot of bad decisions and we make a lot of bad choices because here when you see an alcoholic, no matter how many times. They tell you, oh, I want to be doing this or a smoker or anybody who's who's in their addiction. They say they want to be doing this. Man, deep inside that that thing is trying to that that addiction is is really trying to 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 get out of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I realize that, um, you know, I put a lot of blame on my parents, you know, when in their alcoholism. And I realized when when I was in that spot, how much. 
I love my kid and how much that would never change. Mm. So I took, and that, and it, and that was while I was drinking and I, and I knew there was a, that was kind of a light at, 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 you know, in that tunnel right there is that, you know what, man, there's so much love to give, you know, there's, I don't have to blame. I don't have to do anything. And that's, that was, that's a, that's a, that's a huge step. And it's, and it's knowing your own shit and it's learning that by facing it. And it's facing the sensations, not the thoughts. Um, and things on. Um, I want to give you this last couple minutes to promote yourself, um, kind of tell people where to find you, about your books, and any last piece of advice that you can give people to kind of, you know, get that bait over to, to if anybody that needs to talk to you, anybody that has any questions for you that has any concerns about something that they're going through that you could definitely help out with. Um, so go ahead and take that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, yeah, you can, you can reach me at, uh, on my website is, uh, neilfirst.com. That's N E I L F is in Frank. I R S is in Sam Z is in zebra T is in Tom. And that's.com. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Um, I have a, I did a, uh, I did a hundred video series called changing the stories we tell ourselves. And I believe that's important because you see a lot of the change that I'm going through. A lot of the stuff that, um, a lot of the vulnerability, a lot of the stuff that we don't, that we don't want to show people, you see a lot of that. And it kind of gives, it gives other people permission to go ahead and, and feel that way. Cause sometimes you know, we just want someone else to do it first. So, um, and then I have, you know, I have the bullshit machine. I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm on, uh, Instagram, I'm on Facebook, everything is Neil first. Um, and <clears throat> my company is called be higher beings. Um, so I do programs, I do one-on-ones, I do sessions and stuff like that. Um, the first one is always 30 or 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, it's always free. Um, and I just want to help people get unstuck. If we go past the free session, then it costs money, but otherwise take advantage of the free session because it's awesome. Absolutely. And Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Uh, this, I felt like right as everything started getting good, we ran out of time. Unfortunately, I'm a little booked up today. Um, but I do, like I said, it means the world that you came on here and shared your story, man. And hopefully, you know, at least one person out of everybody that listens, to this episode gets the benefit from it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I, and I appreciate you having me and um, you know, it's uh season three probably won't be your last season. So I'm sure we'll talk again, man. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Take it easy, Neil. Stay in touch. All right, Darius, you too. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Oh, thanks, bud. Put your head on my shoulder.